Hello and welcome. This is a special week on the podcast as we are doing an episode swap with the podcast Atlantic Baptist Stories. Atlantic Baptist Stories is another oral history project led by Dr. Maxwell, collecting the everyday faith stories of Baptists from Atlantic Canada. So today I'll be sharing with you an interview with Twyla Gross, a member of Cherry Brook United Baptist Church and past treasurer of the African United Baptist Association. Twyla talks about her own church experiences, but she also shares about the experiences of her sister, the late Reverend Tracy Gross, who was the first ordained woman in the AUBA and the first ordained woman of color in the convention. My name is Twyla Gross, and the church that I'm associated with is Cherry Brook United Baptist Church. I always had a faith uh, background growing up and, you know, my family, they were all associated with the church. My first impressions of that church as a child, you know what, it was very heartwarming. It was, you know, a place that um, you called home. It was a place that you felt safe. You know, it was a place where the word of God was um, preached and teached. Um, It was a place where basically I got my beginning as a Christian and, 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 and that's where my journey really began. I was baptized in 76 at the age of 15. And the funny thing about it is that year in terms of the baptism, there was a huge outpouring of the Spirit of God in, in our community. And I think that was one of the larger baptisms where there were, I believe it was something like about 50 of us that got baptized. And from all ages, you know, it was younger people, um, middle-aged people, um, whatever, brothers, sisters, um, husband, wives, and whatever. It was quite an outpouring and even a few older people. It was out in a little brook by the church. At that time, when I got baptized, it wasn't an indoor pool. And so it was in July that we had the baptismal service and there were hundreds of people there to witness, you know, the baptism of, of um, you know, these individuals. I was involved. And so I just, you know, didn't come to church, you know, to be, I don't know, to fill the pew, if I could say that. You know, one of the things is that as a, a, a youth group, you know, the church, we, you know, we held meetings. We had some very talented young people, you know, in terms of musical instruments and voices, vocals and whatever. So we would participate like in the choir. We would do things like have projects to raise funds for, you know, various church projects. You know, we felt that being part of the church also meant that we also had to participate. And I remember one of the projects that we had in our church was, um, you know, the piano was getting old. And so we, as young people's group, and there must have been about 25 or 30 of us in the group, um, we were able to have various little projects like bake sales and things like that to raise funds to purchase a new piano for the church. That was quite neat. And things like that, I think that they brought us together, you know. We felt we were part of the church. You know something, I would describe our church today as, you know, this is the reality, I guess, of some churches. You know, when you're growing up, you know, you felt that that togetherness. But I think now, because there's so much competing with the church, 
Sometimes I believe it's just a place that people come to say they came and not wanting to really get too involved and not really wanting, you know, to participate maybe because of time constraints. That social aspect of it is not there like it used to be in years gone by because it's just so much competing. There are a number of leaders within the church. I mean, the longest serving pastor that I was under in our church was Reverend Dr. Donald Scare. Um, and he was a great leader, a great preacher. You know, he really knew scripture and knew the word. And one of the things he was a very, uh, really wanted um, to get to know his congregation. And so, you know, he, he, he seemed like he knew everyone. And the funny thing about it is he, he preached at three churches. And so he knew everyone. Then it was um, the uh, Reverend Arthur Kelsey. And it was funny because he was quite a contrast from, you know, Reverend Dr. Scare in that, you know, one was the preacher and the other one was really, you know, the teacher. And so they do stand out. Also an interim pastor that stands out who, you know, was at our church during the period when we were looking for a full-time pastor would have been Reverend Dr. Donald Fairfax. And he was an older pastor and more of a traditionalist, very structured. And so I started to recognize that we really do need a balance. You know, we need the structure, we need the teaching, we need the preaching, but you know what? There also, you know, needs to be some structure around it. So I, I, I took something from each one of those individuals. Other major influences on my faith would probably be my sister, um, you know, the late Reverend Tracy uh, Gross, who, who was the first um, ordained female pastor in the African United Baptist Association, and also the first uh, person of color ordained, woman of color ordained in the, I guess they call it the Convention of Atlantic Baptist Churches now. When, I, when we say women in, in, in the church, I mean, women in our church always played a leadership role in terms of things like from an administrative perspective. By that I mean, you know, your clerk, uh, maybe your treasurer, chairpersons of committees and whatever. But in terms of the actual, I guess, leadership, you know, women wore, did not play a huge role because, of course, you had your pastor and your deacons. Um, so I guess it would have been maybe in the early 90s, women actually started to take a more active role in the church. And I guess a lot of it had to do with, you know, uh, women going into ministry. Initially, I think it was a very contentious issue. And not only within our church, but, you know, within our association. And so that's become over the year more acceptable. It was quite a transition because, you know, there were those of the mindset that, you know, a woman's woman's place was not behind the pulpit. Very much like, you know, a woman's place should be in the home. They shouldn't be out working. So almost that type of mindset. We've come a long way um, when we recognize that within our particular association and with even in convention, the number of females that are in ministry. So there has been quite a change. And if I said that we're there yet, we're not there yet. I mean, I think that there's still some who believe. They still believe that a woman's place is not in sort of, you know, to be a, a pastor or to be 
a leader of a congregation. So there's still some work to be done, but, you know, great strides have made because I think people are starting to recognize or people have realized and recognized that God chooses whom he chooses. You know something, you know, and I say this in all honesty because I'm, I was a little, I'm a little older than my sister, but we always felt something, I guess, different about her in terms of growing up. And so, you know, she would later tell us that, you know, she felt the call to ministry at a very young age, at the age of 12. And it took her 20 plus years to accept that call. And so when she basically told us and and told our congregation that she had accepted the call and it was going and was going into ordained ministry, it was it, it, it was different. It was new. It was sort of a shock. And in some cases it was like, so hmm, what do we do with her? <laughs> <laughs> because this was new. And so, you know, of course, you know, you have to go through the studying and get your license and all of that. So, you know, we saw this issue of women going into ministry actually debated on the floors of our association. And, and I saw that because I was, that time, I was the president, I believe, of our Baptist Youth Fellowship, the Provincial Baptist Youth Fellowship. And I was also the assistant treasurer of the AUBA. So I saw the the debate on the floor. I saw the senior pastors of our association. Um, It caused, it was conflict. It was a huge struggle with it. And so I saw her struggle, but I saw her perseverance. And, you know, and I also saw that when God calls you, I mean, he will make a way. And so he made a way for her. It wasn't, it was very difficult. I mean, some churches, did not want her to speak. They felt that, you know, she shouldn't be behind the pulpit speaking and whatever, but yet God always opens up an opportunity. And the funny thing about it is, you know, the church that gave her that opportunity was a church in the Valley, a small church, Gibson Woods United Baptist. They were the church that gave her, you know, that opportunity. When I look back and and Tracy passed away, um, what was it, 2000. 2020, 2020. But when I look about it is, and she always said, you know, Twyla, you know, I guess my role or my calling was to make a way. And from her and from her struggle, and I guess, and from her commitment and that people saw that, you know what, you know, God is calling women into ministry. And so from that, and so from that time, I think we've had probably about 12 to 15 women in that period of time that have entered into the ministry that have become ordained ministers. And not only that, I mean, she felt that because of her struggles that she wanted to mentor the women going into ministry. So she did, she mentored, I think about 12 or 13 of those women uh, called from our African United Baptist Association when they were going through, um, you know, their studies and their ministerial program. So I saw, I, so I saw the struggle, and I also saw the the perseverance and recognizing that you know what, I guess sometimes we've got to go through things, but it in the end it's all worth it. If it's if it's God's will, He will make a way. I first became involved with the Atlantic Baptist Women when they um, had, you know, their annual conference and their annual conference is normally in May. You know, a couple of times I went there as a presenter. I presented um, information on tithing. I presented, you know, a workshop on financial management. And that's how I sort of got involved. Then I 
was asked to be the assistant treasurer, which I did take on that role. And I was the assistant treasurer for five years. You know what? They've been doing great work. Uh, Really, really, they're heavily involved into missions. And also, um, they support a lot of the females in ministry. And one of the things that I do appreciate is um, they did recognize that, you know, where they were as a, a, an organization and always looking to, I guess, strengthen the organization because so many of the individuals that were involved in the work with the Atlantic Baptist women were older women. And by that, I mean, you know, 60 and older. So they did, they did recognize or do recognize, not did, but do recognize that how are we going to strengthen this organization? How are we going to continue to grow it? They actually had a sort of conference for young girls, ages 12 to 15, or no, sorry, 10 to 15, where while the general convention for the women were going on, they would have their own little, you know, convention to try to get them involved. And they're also involved with various programs like, you know, abuse programs. They're out there in the community, um, because as we know, the work is great. And they've done a, you know, great amount of work with regards to this whole area of human trafficking. The African United Baptist Association was an association that was founded in 1854 by um, Reverend Richard Preston. And it really just came out of a need for the fact that, you know, calling all of the Black churches together where the Black churches in Nova Scotia could, you know, come together and basically, you know, worship and have something of their own. And so, you know, to build these churches in various different areas of our association, um, the association has been longstanding, and so I've been involved with the association for, I was involved with the association for 30 years um, in the capacity of the treasurer of the association. You know, they call it a mini convention almost, but it really is, it, it provides different programs. There is an, a women's element of our association. There is an element for the men of our association. There is also an element for the youth. And so the association brings brings the 15, I think it's 15 churches together. So we act basically as an umbrella organization for the, you know, basically the black churches within Nova Scotia. And that's the way that the association was formed. As I say, you know, racism is out there. It's it's everywhere. And so I don't think that the church per se is excluded and, and recognized. And that was really why the association was born. You know, so that because blacks, you know, weren't allowed to worship in, you know, some, you know, the white churches. I mean, and if they did worship, they would, they were in a set as area or section that was separate from the general worship. And so, you know, that's part of why the association was born. And you know what? It has been a concern, but it's, I think it's, been recognized, um, you know, particularly by convention. They've done a lot of work with regards to trying to, um, you know what, deal with this issue about, you know, discrimination, about racism, you know, within our convention. It, it's sometimes you say, I can't name it, but it's definitely, it's definitely there. I mean, it's, um, we have 
a ways to go. You know, sometimes we think that the way to go, I guess, is, you know, making sure that people are involved, that there's a presence, whatever. But when it gets down to the reality of it is, it's not about the numbers. It's not about, it's about how you are when, how you're treated when you're there, how you're treated. It's okay to invite me to, I guess, the party. I'm just going to say that. It's okay to invite me to the party, but then not um, ask me to, to dance. And so, so many things now, you know, it, you know, optics, we have so many, you know, folks from, say, the African United Baptist Association that are on these various boards, and that's all well and good, and I think that's awesome, and that's great, but that's the start. Now, how do we change some of the mindsets and, and whatever so that when you are ex- actually on those committees and on those boards that you don't, you know, have that feeling that all is not well, that, you know, you're not really, you're maybe treated differently, you're looked upon differently simply because of your race. Growing up, basically, in terms of going to church, it was predominantly people from my community. So my community is a predominantly, you know, Black community. So, you know, basically, the people that went to the church were, you know, Black church. Now what I'm starting to see, and it's throughout our AUBA, that people from all different cultures and races are coming to the church. It hasn't been easy with regards to, you know, being involved in in convention. And I mean, convention, again, I believe it was in 2000, you know, they had that uh, convention whereby there was sort of an agreement made with regards to, you know, that they would work with the AUBA, that they would work with, you know, to trying to come together as one in Christ, that in Christ, you know what, there is no, you know, race shouldn't be a factor or race shouldn't be an issue. So there have been some changes. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough as an association, and that again would have been in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, to get a regional minister. Our African United Baptist Association had, you know, a regional minister because, you know, again, convention recognized that the uniqueness of our association and the fact is we also needed someone to be able to look into our concerns and our issues. And the convention really came out very strongly in 2000 with regards to, you know, Black Lives Matter. I mean, they made a statement and, and they wanted to work with, you know, the the, the Black congregations, with, with, you know, people from basically all races so that they're accepted in the body of Christ so that they don't feel that they, you know, that so that they're not disengaged and that they're a part of the fellowship of the Atlantic Baptist Convention. You know, something, I guess, you know, being a Baptist is just, of course, it's a denomination. It's a very strong denomination, 100 million people or a couple hundred million people in the world are Baptists. But being a Baptist just means that, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm a follower of Christ. I have hope because we see all of the things that are happening and going on in this world that we live in today. But I do have hope in Christ because I know that he came for everyone. And so, again, there's no division. There's no race. God came for each and every one of us. And we can have a relationship with him and that things that you know we may see or suffer or 
things going on around us, it's not going to last forever because we do have a hope and that hope is in Jesus Christ. When people see us just on the street in our everyday business, they're not worrying about what denomination we are. They don't see a denomination. They don't see a Baptist. They don't see, I don't know, a a Catholic. They don't see whatever denomination. They see you. And remember, Jesus wasn't a denomination. (laughs) So at the end of the day, we we have a responsibility as Christians, as Baptists, and you know what, to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his love for each and every one of us. And I can honestly say if that's one thing the world needs now is a little more love, uh, we just need to love as Jesus Christ loved unconditionally. Thanks for listening to this guest post from Atlantic Baptist Stories. If you enjoy this podcast called To Serve, you may also enjoy listening to some of the episodes over there. If you're interested in learning more about the Atlantic Baptist Stories Project, I've put a link to the project in our episode description. And you can check back next week for another episode of Called To Serve.